Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors and contributors of Strategy Page discuss current events and other military-related topics with a splash of history. I'm your host, Dan Masterson. Joining us today is Jim Dunnigan, editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and acknowledged pioneer and innovator in board war games. Also joining us today is Austin Bay, associate editor of Strategy Page, military author, columnist, and retired Colonel, U.S. Army Reserves. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Jim, we've done reporting on both the U.S. Navy and the Chinese Navy. It seems like the Chinese Navy is growing and the U.S. Navy is shrinking. Is that right? Yes, but the U.S. still has the largest Navy in the world. The Chinese aren't interested in having the largest Navy in the world. They just want to um, uh, dominate uh, their patch, as it were. The Chinese actually have three fleets, a northern fleet, a central fleet, and a southern fleet, and each of them has different responsibilities. The northern fleet has the biggest problem because they're facing off against South Korea and Japan, which between them have over 300 warships now. Uh, the Central Fleet, you know, not much opposition, and they also go to the aid of the Southern Fleet, which is dealing with the South China Sea. That's where the United States has problems, because we are outnumbered there. But the overall problem for the Chinese is they cannot afford uh, the, the uh, how should I put it, uh, cost of a naval war, uh, because they are dependent on overseas trade. And that depends on at least a neutral seas or their control of the seas. They haven't got enough fleet to control the sea lanes they need. And um, uh, if they can't, you know, uh, dominate the uh, the local navies, uh, they basically face uh, economic catastrophe. Uh, for example, uh, they rely on uh, overseas sources for uh, microchips. Uh, these are essential for all sorts of military and, and commercial uses. And right now, uh, they're the largest supplier is uh, Taiwan. So, you know, they really can't go after Taiwan without threatening their own uh, microchip, uh, microprocessor supply. Uh, the Taiwan is acutely aware of that. And uh, they realize the Chinese could say the heck with it, but attack. Uh, Taiwan and Taiwan can just blow up their plants, and rather than allow the uh, the Chinese to capture them, uh, the Chinese are aware of that. So it's sort of a standoff. Uh, so China is basically stalled right now. They they basically do have more warships than the United States, but in tonnage, uh, there's still a deficit. <laughs> the United States has more powerful ships. We have experienced sailors. Uh, we have problems, you know, recruiting enough, uh, you know, sailors, especially for the submarines. But the Chinese have even worse problems. Uh, they're basically hurtling towards a uh, population crash. Uh, thank the uh, one-child policy that uh, existed for about three decades until, you know, quite recently. Um, that has caused a collapse of the military-age manpower available to them. So, you know, China has opportunities. But it's right at the moment, it's lacking the the, uh, the capability to uh, take advantage of them. Austin, your take? 
Chinese are building capabilities. That's the thing. They're also exercising what capabilities they have. And in some cases, they're pushing the, really pushing the envelope uh, uh, politically. Let's, let's say it's, it's politically. They're not, they're, they're on the edge uh, militarily. But uh, there's a, also a political push with it. Xi Jinping has got himself um, in a bind now, Dan. And it's, it's a bind of his own making. Let's say it's it's one he wants or he thinks he wants or one time he thought he wanted. That is, uh, he's going to take Taiwan and uh, restore it to to uh, to the Middle Kingdom, you know, because he's he's we're we're really facing a, a renewed Han Chinese Empire, uh, and again, that's that's not news. You can see a couple of things that Jim and I worked on in a quick and dirty guide to war series, and then. Uh, other, other things that uh, I, I've written in, in opinion, opinion columns that the uh, you know the Han are the world's largest ethnic group, and it's they dominate China, and it is a if you see what she is up to, it's a Han ethnic empire uh, restoration, uh, and it that's has to do with some of the reasons they they uh, are so prejudiced against and uh, hard on their Tibetan and Uyghur uh, uh, ethnic minorities. Uh, they they are, and it's, it's uh, dare I say it, uh, Chinese-Asian uh, racism in action, but it's a component of what you see in Beijing's uh, policies. You don't get that in it very much in, in media coverage because that just doesn't compute since you're dealing with a so-called, you know, con regime. It is a communist regime, but remember, it's what it is is a totalitarian. A totalitarian regime that has a, a committed to uh, retaking, as they say it, or recovering, or invading, and however, you know, they do it, all of those have different messages in it, and they all represent different approaches to the, to the uh, historical approaches to the uh, uh, discussion uh, of Taiwan. Uh, another point I want to make before I get to the Navy, it, the China, mainland China that we face can't be trusted at all when it signs a document. And in fact, the, the uh, Sino-British Treaty over Hong Kong was just completely ignored. Uh, they don't... Uh, when they decide they are strong enough to make a move, it makes no difference. China signed they unclosed the UN uh, Convention on Law of the Sea, and you know, it said it was going to uphold it. And then when the 2016 uh, arbitrator's uh, resolution came through that uh, gave the Philippines 98% of their claim against China for stealing, stealing territory, fishing, and other sea resources, uh, and, and the bullying that go, went, uh, went, uh, went on uh, completely ignored the uh, uh, arbitration ruling that they had agreed to live by and are still in the process of, uh, of trying to uh, muscle the uh, Hague Arbitration Court into, uh, into backing down. So you've got those political attitudes, and then here we get to the Navy, the physical component of it. They are expanding it. They've got not only uh, a 
Paul with that. Tell me, Jim's got all the the uh, 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 facts about uh, displacement, also capabilities. Our, our the our Navy ships, our DDGs, especially our tax subs, are the are the world's best. And they've got absolutely fabulous electronics, and our weapons are very very good. Our carriers are very very good, but the U.S. Navy is a global navy. And to start off, it's an Atlantic and Pacific Navy uh, to begin with. And the Chinese are set up for what we've called in the past the home game, Western Pacific, and still using the Chinese uh, coast uh, uh, as a air and missile uh, support platform for the, for the Navy. So they built, they're not only building more hulls, they're building more capable, uh, more capable ships. They're also building aircraft carriers. Admittedly, they're you know, limited capability compared to uh, 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 the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Navy, but they are building them. And essentially, they've built unsinkable aircraft carriers in the South China Sea, where Jim said we're already behind the eight ball. Well, all those artificial islands, they build them up, and they start off saying they're just going to be weather reporting stations, and now they bristle with uh, uh, surface-to-air missiles, uh, anti-ship missiles, and airfields capable of high perform uh, handling high-performance jet aircraft. It's like a bunch of little uh, static aircraft carriers leading right down to Singapore, which is where I think they've been headed for a, a long time, and it's supported by their propaganda-slash-legal warfare where they, they claimed, you know, the nine-dash line, that's traditional Chinese waters, and it's all, all that belongs to China. And if you fly over it or sail through it, uh, the, the Chinese uh, get on the radio and tell you you need their permission, which they don't, you don't, but that's the game they play. And they're building a combined air and sea force to at some point that, with the implication that they're going to enforce that. And that's ground for war. Uh, China does depend on overseas uh, overseas trade, as Jim said. But look how dictators dictatorships make bad decisions. Uh, uh, Dan, especially you know when they think they've got the power to to roll their uh, their opposition. Now, again, a counter to it. Jim's already pointed out how strong Japan and South Korea are. Uh, Here's another American weakness, but it's, I gotta say, our allies kind of pick it up in the, really it starts uh, in the in the late 80s when we see that the, the Russians are being defeated in the, in the Cold War. But we start offshoring our uh, commercial shipping, commercial shipments. We used to be the world's major uh, uh, commercial shipbuilder. Uh, now it's few, far between. And we've ended up with a problem where we don't have an, enough work for shipbuilders, the, the shipbuilders, for the workers, uh, to sustain, uh, to be sustained between quote unquote military contracts. Uh, and we we need to do something about that. Uh, I realize that this is a military industrial. Uh, program, but it has real defense, uh, defense uh, security I implications. That said, South Korea and Japan still build a lot of ships, and they're uh, 
great allies to have, but they're also vulnerable. They're right there by China. They're within you know, uh, medium and, uh, in some case, short-range ballistic missile uh, uh, range uh, of China. Uh, and the U.S. is going to have to do something about that over the long haul, yeah. which leads back to uh, some discussions we've had in, in, in the past about what are we doing in the short haul. Because there's uh, what Admiral Davidson called the window of vulnerability, but it was also something uh, Dr. Andrew Marshall mentioned in the uh, early 90s that by the mid-2020s, uh, China would be powerful enough that the, the U.S. might have to confront uh, what Dr. Marshall called a, a war for national survival. And you certainly see China building military forces towards that goal. Jim? What are the capabilities that the United States has as far as building ships, especially submarines? Well, we have enough submarine yards to uh, basically keep our uh, nuclear submarine fleet, uh, you know, constant. You know, to replace the older older subs. Uh, Austin is quite right about the shortage of American shipbuilding capability. We basically surrendered that uh, after World War II into the fifties. We were the largest shipbuilder in the world, but as the uh, as the uh, economies in Europe and and Japan and and eventually South Korea recovered, they overtook the United States. Now China got in on that, uh, but they it was always neck and neck, you know, competing with uh, South Korea and um, and uh, and and Japan. The uh, current situation is that the uh, the Chinese have more. Uh, warships than the United States. Yeah, they have about 600. We have, you know, a little, not quite 500. But South Korea, between South Korea and Japan, which have fleets of about equal size, there are over 300 warships. So South Korea and uh, Japan have uh, basically a vested interest in the U, uh, or, or the same interest uh, as the United States in uh, not letting the Chinese run amok. Uh, with a much larger and more powerful fleet uh, between the uh, South Korean and Japanese navies and the uh, Pacific fleet, which we have, uh, you know, over the years in the, since the Cold War ended, we've moved more of our warships to the Pacific. That was, that was intentional. Um, and it basically gives us a, a parity uh, with a China. China, of course, uh, is not looking for a naval war. As I mentioned before, their problems are economic. And, and right now, those economic problems are even worse because uh, Xi Jinping uh, is having a problem staying in power because uh, the economy is tanking, uh, partly because of COVID, partly because of uh, <clears throat> China uh, becoming less friendly to, uh, you know, offshoring, you know, uh, foreign companies, you know, opening, operating op uh, companies, uh, manufacturing facilities in China. A lot of those um, those uh, foreign companies are, are, uh, are reshoring, as it were, moving their uh, plants and their manufacturing operations to other Asian countries. I mean, you know, Thailand, uh, even South Korea and Japan, but there's a lot of smaller countries in Southeast Asia which are more than uh, happy to see, uh, you know, more economic activity uh, from these companies. And that's China's loss. And the, the Chinese are basically sh uh, suffering from an unemployment problem, a military-age manpower problem, 
they are not without problems. You know, they can build a lot of ships and they can maintain a lot of ships. But as Austin pointed out, they haven't got the experience, uh, even though they, they send their ships to sea more often. They haven't got enough uh, military-age personnel to, to man all the ships they can they can build. Um, so nobody has a clear advantage. And and basically, the, the uh, Western coalition, you know, U.S., South Korea, and Japan are defensive. We're not looking for a war. It's the Chinese who are trying to be aggressive. Uh, you know, in, in, they say in, in South China Sea, which was a, which was sort of a surprise to everybody. China wants to control the South China Sea. Well, that did not go unnoticed, and it cannot go unchallenged because that 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 uh, area uh, is part of a, uh, a sea route uh, from East Asia, uh, you know, to the you know Middle East and in Europe, and um, the uh, the Chinese are, are facing pushback. Uh, resistance, and uh, again, they don't necessarily want to go to war over the South China Sea, but they don't want to give it up either. Uh, so they basically stuck their foot in the in the in the in the tar pit, and they can't pull it out. Uh, that's their problem, and it's also you know the Philippines and the other uh, uh, Southeast Asian countries' problem, because uh, it, you know, China is now an obstacle, a potential obstacle, even though the Chinese really haven't got the wherewithal. Uh, to exercise their uh, their obstacle, as it were, but it's there, and you know things can change in a few years in that part of the world. Austin, what would happen if we add a? Yeah, can I... go ahead. I, I, I want to make a, a comment on it. Look, it, it's it, it's the China has become the world's problem in, in the South China Sea. Uh, Jesus talks about. Uh, what it connects and all the trade that comes out of East Asia uh, going east and west uh, also the flow of resources from Southwest Asia and Africa to East Asia and going through it throughout the North America as well at least the west coast of North America I'm talking about from Mexico, U.S. and uh, and Canada I mean it's it, it comes it's it's a funnel. There are two real uh, straits down there, uh, uh, Malacca and and, and what's the other one, Lombok, I think, that you can uh, you, uh, go through to, to connect the Pacific and the Indian Ocean. And the most convenient one is Malacca, which gets, gets very narrow right there at Singapore. I've I've flown over it twice, and you see, you looking if you're looking uh, to the east. You just see nothing but but ships heading out till the the uh, 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 the parallax of these huge freighters lined up to go through that uh, through that strait. The Chinese have moved in there, and as I said, not only did they build these artificial islands, they turned them into micro fortresses, and they did it at the expense of the Philippines, at the expense of Vietnam. Uh, at the expense of Malaysia, actually Brunei as well too. I want to say, but uh, 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 Malaysia, and uh, uh, not quite Thailand yet. Cambodia has become something of a satrap for uh, uh, Beijing, um, for, you know, corruption and the like. But yet they just bullied their small neighbors down there, and the only big boy back up is us, the United States. 
and it's in our interest because so much trade goes through there. It's, you see the figure five trillion? It's probably more like five and a half trillion to six trillion in trade uh, value flows through the South China Sea. It's just huge. Now, you were going to ask me a question, Dan. I'm, I'm sorry, I, but it, it's, it's, it's in our interest to be there, and there's a conflict point. Oh, you, you asked me what, what did I think a conflict would look like? Yeah. Uh, I think I, 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 here I'm selling, you know, cocktails from hell, but there are uh, four or five little war scenarios at the end of, of the uh, China China chapter. And I, I, I think accidental conflict is uh, of some sort. I, you hope it's brief, but a short uh, naval war that uh, kicks off over who knows what the trigger is. Some uh, trigger happy or uh, 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 angry, uh, I, I think it would be Chinese sea militia a group that decides to, to sink a, a, a Filipino uh, Coast Guard cutter or, uh, or the like, and bang, there's a shoot there, and then the U.S., you know, are we going to back up our uh, our bilateral commitment with, uh, with the Philippines? I mean, that's... It's there's so much activity in there, and there has been so much aggressive action by China that at some point one of these uh, smaller neighbors uh, pushes back, and then we're in it too. If you can't can't uh, calm it down, I think that is uh, that is. I don't I'm not making a prediction. I'm just telling you those are the elements that would lead to a a, na a naval conflict, uh, and ho hopefully one that would be restricted. Uh, the big one, of course, is uh, Beijing deciding, all right, we're going for it. Despite all the things that J Jim said, and they're all very, very on point and, uh, and erudite about chip manufacturing and how it really, in many ways, they're integrated, uh, a number of integrated interests between Taiwan and uh, China, also Japan. And China, South Korea, uh, and China, but the Chinese decide. So what? It's just it's just like Hong Kong. They perceive a moment of weakness, a weak American administration, uh, as an example, and decide they're going to do it. Now there, you you got the possibility of a of a very a violent and large uh, uh, conflict that also has land components. South Korea, the same, not just on, uh, on, uh, on Taiwan. And that comes from what? Beijing gambling? Or a, a uh, that's, that's one way to look at it. Or another one, as Jim pointed out, China's got some internal problems, some really uh, big strategic level <clears throat> internal problems. And <clears throat> the dictatorship decides uh, we're in now long term decline. If we're ever going to do it, and, and, What's going on with the long-term decline? Now they're they're having uh, pushback from the Chinese people, and don't think the communists aren't afraid of the Chinese people. They are. Tiananmen uh, Square shows you how they are afraid. You know, you know, they commit a massacre to scare everybody. Uh, so they, you've got uh, uh, a support slippage or an increased disruption in the, the Chinese population and. So hey, we need a war to show we're we're still in charge and we're for China and we're su super Chinese ethno-nationalists. So they decide to go after it. Now you've got a huge fight there that 
you can't will away, you've got to prepare for it. The best way to do to stop all of these little scenarios, though, is to be so powerful that the uh, the would-be gamblers or the desperados in, in Beijing uh, are deterred. They, they, it's likely that you're going to lose. And, and uh, I've written a couple of columns recently where I focus on Senator uh, Roger Wicker's uh, May 3rd speech in the Senate where he's talking about the USN as a deterrent force to stop a war with China in the Western Pacific. And he's, he's concerned about, and it really is a, a brilliant speech that pulls together a bunch of things that other people have said, things Jim and I have written and, and the like, but I mean, concerned individuals have said really over the last 15 years about uh, U.S. preparedness in, uh, in the Western Pacific vis-a-vis China. And it's, it's like the way you stop the, ba- the war <clears throat> is to convince the enemy, the, the, the enemy being the Chinese leadership, that you're going to lose. You're not going to succeed. And all of these other issues that Jim pointed out earlier about China's dependence on trade and having to get along with people now and, and of course, the Chinese population that likes having money and likes having you know, portable computers and likes having little electric cars. Uh, it's, it's far better than poverty. Uh, all that, that's going to go away very quickly if they go to a, a war and don't win it quickly. If they if they go to to this you know Taiwan invasion scenario, uh, it's but those are possibilities, and the way you stop it is is it's Scipio Africanus, which is if you want war, prepare for peace. Uh, that's he's the Roman general that beat Hannibal. Uh, he knew a little bit about strategic consequences. Uh, you, you just have to be so strong that the uh, your opponents, hey, let's talk. And instead of fight, and uh, that's also good, good Sun Tzu too. I'll give the Chinese that. Sun Tzu says, you know, it's it's too risky to go to combat. You don't know what's going to happen. And he spends all his time talking about, you know, you, you want this perception, you want to be powerful, and then you really don't want to fight. And wise man, uh, you don't, and that's why. To get back to Senator Wicker on it, he says, "Let's let's rebuild this navy. Let's have you know with, with the global responsibilities that the U.S. has has taken on. You know for with, uh, ensuring free trade. You know free trade, open uh, open trade. We're not pirates. We're trying to keep the pirates down. We don't want any pirates. Uh, nobody wants pirates. Doesn't do anybody any good." But uh, essentially, China has been a pirate in the South China Sea, Dan. And when it comes to gobbling up uh, uh, other nations' uh, resources and uh, and territory, Uh, it's all in in the world as it exists now with both the communications, the international trade, these little disruptions actually have an impact. You don't want to react, overreact, but you have to pay attention when somebody's doing something like that. Uh, anyway, that's those are some scenarios. But you said you know, oh, there there are other other things that could act as triggers. But all of those big things that I mentioned would be or, or would be would would be in play. 
Well, we'll leave it there for today, and I'm sure we'll talk about this again in the future. Have a good week, you gentlemen. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Take care.